The AL Central is finally making moves, kind of. And what if this is it for the Guardians this offseason? You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Well, Zach, seeing as this is our last free episode of the 2022 calendar year, what one word would you use to describe our podcast this year? It depends. <laughs> that's two words dude <laughs> i don't know you didn't tell me that you were gonna ask that well isn't that the point of asking a question like that to spring it on you at last minute here the first word that comes to mind i don't know discord <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that applies in many different ways, but please explain your answer. I feel like this podcast grew quite a bit in 2022 in terms of number of listeners. I think some of that might have to do with the fact that the team was a lot more interesting than anyone anticipated, but... (laughs) You're not saying it has anything to do with us. (laughs) Any sort of improvement we've made over the years. It's all about the team. No, but I think the, uh, the Discord has changed the game. I think people would think about this podcast once or twice a week in the past, and now you can think about it 24 hours a day, as many people do. Wait, is is, is that a good thing? Is that a positive? (laughs) I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like we're we're just we just got pushed to the side. That that is no longer our Discord anymore. That belongs to our listeners. They make it whatever they want it to be. And if you're not part of the Discord, how do you get there? Well, by now I would assume you would know. But if you don't, come find us at Patreon, patreon.com slash Guidecast. During the offseason, we've been doing these shows periodically whenever we can. Typically, it's a every other week sort of thing. But during the offseason, in addition to the throughout the, the regular season, we're doing that show at Patreon every single week. So if you want more Guardians discussion, if you've had enough of whatever the Browns are doing on the radio and you want some other place to talk about something else, we can't really give you much Cavs discussion in the offseason, though. That is in the Discord, but we've got plenty of Guardians talk. And this has been a good offseason to cover to this point. So it's, 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 been, it's been nice. Usually to this point, we're in the, the mode that your buddy Dan Hayes is in right now where he's screaming to anybody that will listen, the offseason's not over, everybody. Calm down. That's usually the role that we play on this show as the mm. Guardians wait for the offseason to come to them. It's been uh, it's been refreshing, wouldn't you say, to have the Guardians out in front and making moves and giving us a, a topic here where we can actually discuss whether or not this would be a successful offseason if the, the, season, the offseason was over to this point right now. Yeah, has that answer ever been yes? If you would ask it around this time of year in the past. Oh, never. Yeah, I think it's beneficial for everybody when you make some moves and take care of your business early. It gives 
us something to talk about. It gives fans a reason to look ahead. And it just gives us a, a complete or more complete picture of this puzzle that we try to assemble every offseason. And you're right. You know, usually the tenor of November and December is, well, like they could do this, they could do this, scenario A, B, C, D, E, F. And you usually get to F because you're just every week it's crossing off a name or two um, until someone falls in their laps in late January or February. So, yeah, they're not in that situation now. Um, Something like that could still happen, but they have done the bulk of their work. They've checked off the most important items on their list. And you're right. There are other teams that are scrambling and it's very interesting being in this position watching that happen elsewhere especially within the central where all the other teams are looking to improve and get to where the guardians were this past year that's not to say the guardians didn't have their own set of challenges entering this offseason and even answering some of those questions i don't think that there are certain things within the offseason they can't answer they can't tell us whether or not Andre Semedes was for real in the offseason. They can't tell us whether Josh Naylor can grow against left-handed pitching and be able to at least be playable against the Southpaws. Uh, Stephen Kwan, whether or not that's repeatable. Miles Straw, whether he can bounce back. There are so many questions when it comes to within the season beginning that we don't know yet about the Guardians. But we, we do know that they could answer a couple of things, one being who is going to be calling, catching, and maybe occasionally hitting from the catcher spot and who was going to be playing that first base DH role. They answered both of those questions. In Zanino's case, they got an adequate upgrade. We've covered that. We talked about it on the Patreon show. Wasn't a significant addition to the level that Sean Murphy would have been or one of the Toronto catchers may perhaps been, but they did upgrade that spot. And then they went and got, if you're looking at free agents that would make an impact of some sort at the first base DH slot. They got one of the two that mattered. They wanted to bring you. They missed that, but they got Josh Bell. And that significantly upgrades the lineup compared to what they were getting at that spot throughout the season last year. So in terms of what's left, and we've talked about this a little bit, but you know, I think me personally, I would be, Trying to see if there's any way, because you still have all those prospects that you could package. You know, you can go get anything you want that's available. But I would be looking at a way to add an impactful starting pitcher. Can you upgrade the back of that rotation with someone who you would want starting a playoff game? I mean, you look at Houston and they still have a really formidable rotation even after losing Verlander. The Yankees just added... Carlos Rodon, so that rotation with him, Cole, Cortez, Severino, that's good. Um, So do you have the horses to match up with those teams? Those are the teams you have to be thinking about. Um, And to me, I don't know, we saw Quantrill versus Cole twice. Didn't go in Cleveland's favor. I just think they need another really good starter. And I don't know that that's possible. Like, I would not put the odds of anything happening this offseason on that front. 
um, at anything worth noting. So in terms of reality, I think, you know, is it possible another right-handed hitter falls into their laps? Someone who could play first base or corner outfield, platoon with Josh Naylor or something like that. You know, they have the flexibility to fit any position they want. They obviously don't need any middle infielders. They have outfield depth, but they could still use a right-handed stick. Um, So does a Brandon Drury fall to them? I don't really know what his market looks like. He's versatile enough where I'm sure multiple teams would be interested. Uh, But but people like that, or or is there a trade you can swing? Um, And then, you know, the annual, who's your 34-year-old reliever that you signed to a non-roster invite deal who ends up pitching the seventh inning down the stretch. Like that's happens every single off season. So those are the things I'm looking at. It's nothing that's going to push the needle much. Um, but I, I feel like there's still another move or two to really complete the picture here. Yeah. I'm with you. I I think there will be a non-roster invite or three before it's all said and done. I wouldn't put it past them still bringing in another catcher and maybe not even on a major league deal, but another veteran backstop. As I said in the Discord, Bo Naylor, where, where he's at, he's one play away from becoming your starter at the major league level right now, and I don't think they're ready for that. They have said they're not ready for that, and through their actions going to sign Mike Zanino, they're telling us they're not ready for that. Another veteran backstop would make sense there, but it's it's not going to move the, the needle too much. Speaking of backstops that won't be playing in Cleveland, Austin Hedges gets the Roberto Perez deal, well, at least the way you termed it, going to Pittsburgh. So that leads me to believe next offseason, Zanino to Pittsburgh. That's the <laughs> obvious connection, right? So they've had Hedges... Perez, Chang, they had Eric Gonzalez in that trade, Ben Gamble. Yeah, that pipeline's just a strong connection right now. Yeah. Did you think there would be uh, any any sort of marriage between Hedges and, and Cleveland again? Did I think? Mm-hmm. Even with Zanino signing, I mean, we you you painted the picture of Hedges sitting shirtless in his apartment, getting the "you up" text from Antonetti on like February 9th if they struck out on all their other options. That's kind of what it felt like to me. I mean, I think I think it was just if Plan A, B, and C fall through, we'll bring back Hedges. But the the instant they knew Murphy wasn't going to happen, you saw them pivot to Zanino pretty quick. So they wanted to make sure they didn't miss out on plan A, B, and C. Not only pretty quick, it was happening the weekend before the trade for Murphy even went down, correct? Yeah, but I think a lot of that was pretty much decided at the winter meetings. And then it's just a matter of crossing your 
T's dotting your I's and maybe Cleveland. Right. I'm speculating on this part, but maybe Cleveland just holding off on Zanino a few days just in case a Murphy trade falls through at the last minute with Atlanta. That's tough also for Zanino to sit there and not know whether his future is is going to be with Cleveland or, or somebody else. I'm sure there's some pressure there put on Cleveland just by his agent to say, listen, we might be sitting on some offers we don't like as much as, as you are giving us right here, but if you don't give us an answer, we need to make sure that we're sitting down when this game of, of musical chairs ends. And so from his perspective, and the, the Cleveland's perspective too, I think they want to be fair to every player that, that might be signing with them. They're also, they're, they're not dumb. They, they realize you would rather have Murphy than you would Zanino at this point. Um, so we, we don't need to play these games where, no, no, we, we wanted Zanino all along. No, 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 you want the good player. But there are back you know backup plans in place here. I thought maybe there was still a, an avenue there for Hedges to to come back to Cleveland like on a $3 million deal to be the backup. But good for him. He went out and got a $5 million deal, and, and that's ter- terrific. Good good backstop to have with a young pitching staff, an up, up-and-coming team. We saw all the benefits outside of what he doesn't bring you offensively. Uh, but it is part of the, the picture that is coming together for this Cleveland offseason. I want to talk more about that in a second, but... As we mentioned, you can join us at Patreon. You can find us and get in the Discord and have fun there. But also, we wanted to do something extra special for all of our Patreon listeners. If you've listened to this podcast throughout the years, Zach had a great idea that he stole from a wrestling podcast a few years ago to do game recaps. And it's one of the most fun things we do throughout the year. We used to release them when we didn't have the Patreon. Now we save them for the Patreon. And this year, we're bringing it back. With the bug game. How long did it take you to get through the bug game, that rewatch? Well, the video itself was almost four hours, right? Right. No commercials it. either. Yeah. It only took me two or three sittings. Um, Not much happened <laughs> until, until the eighth inning. There were some quirky, felt like, fun things, but not much It felt action. like that game, game two against Tampa Bay to me. Mm-hmm. A lot of chances for Cleveland. And the one thing I will say, it felt like to me once they had tied the game, this is me thinking back, once they had tied the game against Jabba Chamberlain and Sizemore scores, it felt like a near certainty that they were going to win that game, but it was not. It was not a certainty at all. And the number of chances that they swung and missed on, literally and figuratively, uh, was a little bit maddening. So to go back and watch that was fun, and I'm looking forward to recapping that with you. It's I don't want to give away too much, um, but it's yeah, it, that team I felt like embodied Cleveland baseball of the last twenty years, where like the roster was pretty well rounded, not a ton of. Household name superstars, but a couple things. One, they were just like a really solid team. Two, it was all about pitching and defense and like timely hitting. And three, it the timely hitting was not coming through in the postseason when they needed to until the very end. Just a perfect summation of 
a lot of Cleveland baseball we've watched over the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it was very familiar, I, I, I yeah. would say, definitely. Uh, the only difference is a lot of bugs and a lot of bunts, but we'll get to that coming up later this week. Patreon.com slash Godcast. If you only want to be there for that one episode and you want to jump out after that, we're cool with that. <laughs> do, do, whatever, do, do whatever you want. But it is something extra special that we do for people that are with us throughout the year, and uh, that'll be over at Patreon. So get in there before the end of the week, and that'll be a little, uh, a little early Christmas present in your stocking that I hope everyone is able to enjoy. Maybe this Indians or Indians are already thinking about all the times in the broadcast that it already felt weird to me that they were saying it. This Guardians offseason, if this is the present that you open up under the tree, where does this fall within Christmas presents past? Where, where, how are you going to feel about that? Is this opening up socks? You needed socks? Or is it going to be a little bit closer to that uh, Nintendo 64 you've been Looking at, looking forward to, eyeing, hoping was under that tree. Yeah, that was the best gift I ever received. But that was a birthday gift. I think when I was ten. Uh, I so I give them credit. They identified two glaring weaknesses that everyone could have identified, and they filled them. I think on the bell. Front, they filled it admirably on the Zanino part. Like, okay, fine, sure. My issue is I'm grading them on a curve because it's like the it, it, it they were necessary moves more than brilliant moves. And you tore this thing down. Your payroll is minuscule. You're lucky as hell that Jose Ramirez decided he desperately wanted to stay here for the rest of his career. All these things have fallen into place. Some fortunate, some by your doing. So while I give you credit for making some solid moves, Bell and Zanino, like that should be the bare minimum in my opinion, because this team is set up with a tiny payroll, a ton of trade capital, super healthy farm system, and a lot of young major league ready depth. And now playoff experience. Like you're in the perfect position. So it seems like a good position to take a big swing. They haven't quite done that yet. Um, they should have infinite payroll flexibility based on where they were a season ago. So, I don't know. Like, it, it's... Maybe it's a... <laughs> I'm trying to compare it to a Christmas gift scenario. I, I guess when you're, like, a little older, maybe you're a teenager, and so, like, the little toys don't suffice anymore... So you're looking for something more legitimate, like if it's your first phone or, I don't know, some technology gadget or something. And like you get, maybe you got, maybe you're looking for your first phone and you're just hoping it's the new iPhone, but it's like a sidekick or a, I don't know, Motorola wow. Razor. Whoa. 
I think that might be more durable than I have faith in Zanino at this point, but your point is taken. I, I would think more like it's just a model down. You wanted the new iPhone, what are they on, 12? I 14. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you, if that's the case, I would believe it. So like you, you got, only uh, have, you've got one 11. camera circle <laughs> on the back of your phone instead of the three? Yeah, and everyone makes fun of you for it, and you can never take a mere selfie ever again, so stop sending those to me on Snapchat. I'm over them, Zach. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's a necessary thing, so they don't get like an A-plus here. But I, I'm going to give them credit because they've gone into many other off-seasons with clear holes that they did not fill. True. Outfield has been a problem for this team for years. Finally, they go into this offseason, and it, it you could make the case that they can add there, but that's more of a luxury add as opposed to a necessary one. Getting a, a another hitter that could go in the middle of the order that could play that first base DH role, and if you could do it opposite Naylor in either a right-handed fashion or in Bell's case, a switch hitter, I think that's a great fit. It's a perfect fit. We talked about it. Even if he's not a superstar player, it's a perfect fit for this team. And they went and got one of the two best players that can do what he does. And they upgraded the catcher's spot. So while it's not a home run, grand slam, greatest offseason ever, it's a very solid one. And I don't want to compare them too much to what's happening within the AL Central because the goal should be better than being the White Sox now. The goal is no longer to top the Twins. Those two teams are struggling to get to where you are and trying to overcome the, the, the things that plague them in 2022. You don't want to compare yourself to them. You want to compare yourself to the Astros, to the Yankees, as you did to begin the show. Having said that, it still is important to go win the division. And the Guardians have kicked everybody's asses in the division as far as going to get the things that they needed. The White Sox, what have they done this offseason to fix what ailed them? They went and got Clevenger. They lost Jose Abreu, and now they bring in uh, Benintendi, which I think is a its a sufficient add. It's a nice addition for them, mm-hmm. and I think their offense might be scary at times this year. It's a solid offense, but I don't know that they're significantly better or fixing what ailed them last year. And the Twins just lost Carlos Correa and replaced him with a guy that strikes out a ton and was good a couple of years ago and would have loved to have in Cleveland several years ago, but I'm not sure he's that same guy anymore in Joey Gallo. And they lost out on Swanson. They swung and missed on all these other free agents. Where are they at entering this year? So I, I guess I'm trying to take all of this together and, and figure out where I should be, and I think the answer is this is looking like a, a B-minus, maybe a B sort of off season here for the guardians. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It part of the calculus has to be the opportunities that were available to them. Like an a plus off season would have been adding Corbin Burns somehow, but I don't think that was ever a possibility. Um, Obviously a Murphy trade, but you'd also have to, you know, if you gave up Espino and Valera and Rocchio to get Murphy, I don't know that I would call that an A-plus offseason either. So I, I, it's difficult. You know, the, off, the, the outfielder thing, too, I think, you know, you always hear, like, whoever wins the offseason doesn't usually translate to winning the World Series. There's some truth in that, too. 
a lot of times the team that wins the offseason had to make a bunch of moves because they have a lot of holes, right? So that's why this does not correlate to regular season success in a lot of occasions. I think with Cleveland, it's not even so much like I agree with you. There have been so many times when they just failed to fix their outfield. But where I give them credit is in their player development. You know, if they're developing outfielders, which they developed Quan, they developed Gonzalez, even though they tried everything they could to let him get away, it seemed like. Um, you know, you have Valera on the up and up. You got Brennan, you've got Benson there. So I give them credit for not having to need to do that this winter. Um, you know, they've they've developed enough middle infielders to where they don't have to worry about what's left after all the star shortstop sign. So I give them credit there, and I think that boosts their grade just before we even start analyzing the moves they did make. So, like, even though I'm being critical and I'm saying the moves they made were good, but they they were necessary, bare minimum, like, they had to do those. I, I do give them credit because I think part of the issue here is just making sure you don't have to bite off more than you can chew anyway, right? You know, you go into the offseason needing all these things and knowing you're not going to have tons of money to throw around and that the way they operate, like you, you had, you can trade some prospects, but you can't trade all of them and you better trade the right ones. I give them credit because they just somehow in the span of a year went from a team that we were like, yeah, maybe they can be good in 2024. I just don't know who it's going to be and how this is all going to come together. And where will Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber be playing to, Hey, they only have a couple holes and for the most part, they filled them and I guess they're good to go. Yeah, it's it's, it's impressive. You can still, and you should still, I said this last week, like you're going to have to take some risks at some point. You're going to have to make an uncomfortable trade. You're going to have to, you know, it's going to be really, really hard. Uh, payroll does not equal wins sometimes. Like it's obviously easier to win if you have a higher payroll because then you can cover for your mistakes if you need. You have that flexibility to go get that one player who you need. But it's going to be really hard to win a World Series with an $85 million payroll. You have to be perfect in so many aspects. So, you know, you you might have to go sign someone that makes your payroll a little bit uncomfortable for Paul Dolan. You might have to go make that trade that makes Chris Antonetti a little uncomfortable as he clicks accept on his phone or whatever system they use. So... They've done a good job so far. You think he gets a notification? Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure that you want to do this? <laughs> I give them credit. They've done a good job in totally transforming the state of the roster in the span of a year and people's expectations and everything. I mean, it's unbelievable. Last year at this time, we were saying this, you know, they were coming off an 80 win season and we were like, I don't know that it's going to get better. Like everything, every sign pointed to it getting worse before it got better. And because your star player was at a really critical point in his career. Um, so I, I just, I'm wondering when that big move that signals it's go time, like it's World Series or bust, is going to happen. 
because I don't think it's happened yet this offseason. And it might not. Maybe it happens in July. Maybe that's when they do an Andrew Miller type trade. Maybe it happens a year from sure. now. And that's when Antonetti has done that in the past, more often than the offseason, when he's a little bit more sure about the team that he has, uh, that he's a little bit more certain about what the holes are. And I can see that to a certain degree. You go into the season, you have a lot of young players, a lot of prospects within the system, guys that we've seen a little bit of, and even guys that we've seen a lot of. You just want to give them a little bit more run to see if another Oscar Gonzalez is coming. And it's not crazy that that could happen given the talent that is within the system. Another young player shows up and pops, or a guy that was good this past year regresses or worse, and you you now have a, a hole in the roster that you weren't expecting. So I get it. You want to be a little bit more certain before you take that big swing. Still, there is going to have to be some risk at some point. And they played it very safe, and even the bell thing is not a big risky move here. The worst thing that happens is he's worse than you expected, and you still pay probably going market rate for his services the next year. And as you've said, just because he was, if he is bad this year, just because he was doesn't mean that he's going to be terrible the year after that. So there's not mm-hmm. a lot of risk. There is none with Zanino other, other than saying you could have gotten a different catcher. There's no risk there. When are they going to take that swing? They're going to have to at some point make a trade, consolidate pieces, or run the risk of having another Nolan Jones situation happen where you don't get as much as you should for him had you traded him a couple of years ago. And I don't think Nolan Jones ever, ever would have gotten you the best player in baseball. I'm not, I don't think he was ever that highly regarded as a prospect, which you probably could have done more than, than get another guy that is in a similar mold or more of a project to you than, than maybe to other teams. Yeah, I just... Now I can't stop thinking about how things have changed over the course of a year. And it's important to remember this too, because we might be sitting here a year from now saying, man, remember when things looked so rosy a year ago? (laughs) And then (laughs) this guy got injured and this guy regressed. Get out of here. And they traded Shane Bieber. Supposed to have good feelings. (laughs) No, it's just, it's interesting. I, I, they're in a good spot. You know, if we bring this back to looking at the division, I don't think you have to worry about Detroit and Kansas City again. <laughs> Those poor fan bases. At least you have good barbecue. Um, I think Minnesota is the team that I feel like every week I say I, I don't understand what they're doing. And you're right, Chicago so much hinges on health and like, is Yoan Mankata good? Just every year, like, I, I always pencil him in. I look at that lineup, and I'm like, man, this lineup's really tough to deal with. And then he ends up hitting, like, 210 with 210 strikeouts. And no like, power. Is there somebody that that can motivate this team to be engaged every play? That looked like they were so disconnected last year. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because you bring in this veteran manager that's this baseball guy that's been around the game forever. You would think the one thing the team would excel in is is being mentally prepared into the games and being motivated, not so much from a data standpoint, from just the old school baseball way, playing the game the right way. That was not the White Sox this past year, so that 
still surprises me to this day that they had all of those issues. I, maybe I think of this offseason the way that you would uh, stretch where the Guardians play some teams that aren't great or maybe are mediocre, and they just go handle the business. They go take six out of seven in the stretch. And so no one says, we learned anything tremendously great about this team or they're the best team in the American League based just on this stretch. But don't we say it all the time? You can't hold it against them that they went out and just did what they were supposed to do. So you give them the credit that they deserve for doing that, but you don't do backflips about it. You don't throw roses at their feet. You just say, good, you did what you were supposed to do. Good job. And now let's see what happens in this next upcoming stretch. Yeah, so you're going to have the more balanced schedule too. And I, I, I've i heard from people throughout the league who um, I think everyone agrees. It's, it's the teams from the AL Central are not going to benefit from this. Um, I do think it can be overblown a little bit. You know, you're still playing more games against the teams in your division than those outside. And like, it's not like, like the AL West sucks. It was so bad in 2022. I mean, the Angels every year are a joke. It doesn't matter who they acquire. Oakland might be the worst team in baseball. Um, the Rangers throw money at everything and, and they should be a little bit better in 2023 for sure. But they're not a perfect team. Um, so it's not like, like, I don't know that Baltimore is going to do what they did again. Boston doesn't look like they're going to be very good. Like there are bad teams everywhere. Nobody talks about, at least here, no one, everyone gives the AL central grief and it's deserved. That's fine. Nobody talks about the NL central, which is absolute dog shit. Okay. Like the pirates are a joke year in and year out. The Cubs have been bad. The reds have been horrible. Okay, so it's it's the same deal. It's like one of those teams, the Cardinals or the Brewers, will win 92, 93 games. One of them will win 86, 87, and the rest of the division will stink. And that's how it's been the last couple of years. That's how the AL Central is. Chicago or Cleveland, one of them will win 93 games. One of them will win 87. Everybody else will stink. So there are bad teams everywhere. And I don't think this is going to make it so that the winner of the AL Central the winner of the AL Central might have 85 wins. It's not just because of the schedule is, I guess, my point here. Okay, so um, I don't think the AL Central is very good. You know, I, I think it stinks for baseball when you know going into it, two-fifths of the division have no shot pretty much. And a third team, I, I, I could be way off on the Twins. I just, I don't see it. They look like a the most 77-win team I've ever seen in my life. Dan said that the, the the likelihood of the rotation being good hinges on Kenta Maeda coming back and being strong. And I don't even think Kenta Maeda is, I mean, he's good, but not that good. <laughs> the, whole, the whole fate of the rotation should, should hinge on him. Curious, curious offseason. They have been the kings of the good offers to everybody that has turned them down so far this offseason. Now, maybe it's unfair because going into this offseason, we did say that a, a huge chunk of how we grade this is going to be if they can also lock up any of these younger players to more club-friendly or at least cost-controlled deals. 
we're not going to know that until we at least get to spring training or maybe even closer to the regular season. Could that change your outlook on this, take it from like a B-minus to a B-plus or maybe even higher if they're able to lock in, let's say, two of their younger players and be able to have some club options when they would be walking away into free agency in a couple of years? Yeah, I think that helps a little bit just to have that stability and that certainty moving forward. I think it helps them from an accounting standpoint, knowing exactly how much they're going to be paying certain core pieces. I mean, it's not, it's not the driving factor when you're grading their off season moves, but yeah, that, that can't hurt. And it's good for the team too. You know, I'm sure it helps some players relax. I'm sure it's, just good in the clubhouse knowing who your leaders are moving forward. I think we've seen guys in the past. Remember when when it was Kipnis Brantley and Gomes who signed those long-term deals and they announced them all together on the morning of the home opener. I think it was 2014. 2014 or 2015. One of those years. Um, and I remember they, they had a rough year and... The Swisher and Bourne trades happened and they signed those contracts that Terry Francona helped draw up that just like stated that, you know, they're, they were moving forward with basically new leadership and new accountability and um, putting an effort every day. And those guys were the guys who led that spearheaded that movement. So yeah, I, I, there can, it can pay dividends in other ways than just, securing part of your roster so yeah that could change it a letter maybe or half of a letter <laughs> at, at that point any sort of grading and to the positive I, I would take at least given my own personal experiences as much as I can I can say I want a little bit more I, I wish there was a little bit there was an extra move to be made here whether it's to go address the starting rotation a little bit to go get another bat that you could work in there somewhere. And I'm talking more than just going to sign Jordan Luplo to a minor league contract or something like that, that which I could totally see happening, by the way. I could I could totally see it happening. I'm thinking a little bit bigger <laughs> as far as moving the needle. I look at the lineup as it's projected for opening day. It, it's strong. I feel like this is a lineup that is, you have to respect it, and it's a little bit closer to being in the top third than it was last year. I mean, look, Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, your top three. But then you have op the option of, would you want Josh Bell to hit cleanup? Do you want Josh Naylor still to hit cleanup? You can mix and match there. But let's say it's Bell there, and then you could go Naylor, you could go Andre Semenez. You, you have Naylor and Andre Semenez now hitting fifth and sixth, and that makes some sense. We could, we could argue about whether or not Rosario should be hitting second. I don't think that's going to change unless they trade him. But Andre Semenez, Wait, Josh what? Naylor, and Oscar Gonzalez. What? What? What, what trips you up there? Just going to casually drop in an Ahmed Rosario trade comment? Okay. Is there any other way that he would not be hitting second? I don't think a trade's happening, but I, I bring it up as a scenario. But Oscar Gonzalez is hitting seventh in this drawn-up lineup. This is a guy that was hitting cleanup for you at, at times last year. 
And then Zanino, if he brings you anything offensively, even if he's close to average, my God, that's a huge upgrade. And then we're all looking at Miles Straw to see if he's anything closer to what he was in 21 compared to 22. I'll even take split the difference and give me somewhere in the middle, and I will be much more pleased than what I saw this past year. But that lineup, that's, that's formidable. It's not the greatest in the American League, but it certainly can put up runs. Imagine it with Bo Naylor, who's projected a 107 WRC plus at catcher. And then, uh, Will Brennan in center. Seems even better. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure. You know what I don't see? Gabriel Arias starting at first base in a playoff game. That's what I don't see anywhere within or that Or Owen lineup. Miller hitting cleanup 110 times. <sighs> Who's going to get those DH at-bats in Milwaukee? Is it going to be Contreras or is it going to be Owen Miller? Big question mark hey, for Milwaukee. You know, good for him, though. He grew up very close to Milwaukee in Mequon, Mequon. I never remember how to say that. Wisconsin. Any cheeseheads listening can correct me. So he gets to go home. The ballpark is not still called Miller Park. That would have been cool. Or the most terrible thing ever, if you buy into having the pressure on your shoulders. Yeah, it's too bad there's not a player with the last name Progressive. <laughs> okay, keep looking to see. Do you think Jacob uh, Cruz teams, thought that uh, they named the ballpark after him when he was in Cleveland? Uh, yeah, probably. That's exactly that can be your random player of the episode. There you go. Speaking of players changing teams and new new environments, Justin Turner, Boston. That's a weird fit. Don't they have a third baseman? At least for the minute. I guess he's going to be their DH. We're talking about the Twins and scratching our heads about their offseason. Red Sox fans go into every offseason with much higher expectations. <laughs> they lost their shortstop. They've swung and missed on many free agents. They brought in Justin Turner, who's 38. Had a good second half. I don't know if this is more Big Poppy or if it's Panda. I don't know what this is. And they DFA'd the crown jewel pros- prospect that they acquired in the Mookie Betts trade a couple of years ago. Yeah, they're a mess. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, and I feel like you have to pick a lane in that division because you know the Yankees are going to be World Series or bust. I think the Blue Jays are about there. Tampa's always going to be in the mix, and Baltimore. I know they haven't really fortified things this offseason, but like they're going to be calling up some top 10 prospects this year. So might not be this year where they take off, but it's coming. So what are the Red Sox doing? Don't you have to, if, if you're going to miss out on all these targets and not really improve your roster, shouldn't you just go the other way? Boston's above that. They're above going into rebuild territory, though. Wouldn't it make sense? As opposed to signing 38 years, 38-year-old free agents, and then I don't know, trading Deffers. <laughs> what is what is that offseason? Mm-hmm. Going in many different directions there. 
Uh, although, when they DFA'd Hosmer, I thought for a second, the ultimate troll job for Cleveland, because Hosmer has apparently reportedly, on a couple of occasions, <laughs> either, either ripped Cleveland or made it known that he didn't want to get traded to Cleveland. There was rumors of him possibly being involved in a potential Jose Ramirez trade with the Padres, right? And the word was that Hosmer wouldn't want to be part of that. Was, was that the, the report? I just thought it would have been the ultimate troll job to claim him on waivers because he finally can't <laughs> say no. Welcome to Cleveland, Eric Hosmer. <laughs> yeah, the you Padres have, no have made a lot Show of... Up. Padres have spent a lot of money and made a lot of big moves over the last five, six years. That was the first one, remember? They they had all that money to spend, and they they brought him in, and everybody at the time was like, this is... This is not what you do when you have a ton of money. That is the definition of spending just to spend. And what's he got? Three years left? And now nobody wants him at that price? Yeah, even at the time. There are free agent contracts that happen. And you think, okay, for the first couple of years, it'll be fine. And then you know it's going to drop. It's basically what I think of all of these contracts that have got signed this offseason, whether it's Bogart's. Whether it's maybe Nimmo, but teams are obviously more focused on spreading out the annual value than they are concerned about how much they're going to be paying a guy 11 years from now and hoping that inflation it takes. They're the only people in the, on the planet that are hoping inflation takes prices to the next level. <laughs> but then there's the Eric Cosmer contract where everyone says, what the hell are you doing the minute you make the move? <laughs> no one, No one questions. Like, oh, it's going to be bad a couple of years from now. Everyone says, what? Right now, this is not a good fit. <laughs> that's, that's not where you want to be when you're signing your free agents for everyone to go, what are you doing right now? You know, I'm trying to think. So that, that Kansas City team you had, Hosmer, Moustakis, Kane, they all signed decent-sized deals. Like Moustakis, I think, was four for 64 with Cincinnati. And I, I know he went to Milwaukee. Did he go to Milwaukee first? But, like, the Reds can't get rid of him because nobody wants him. Lorenzo Cain went to Milwaukee. Um, Five for 80, and the end of that contract was bad. Remember, did he, he like, retired midseason? So Salvador Perez stuck around. I'm trying to remember. Was there anyone else from that Kansas City team? I guess Alex Gordon. Didn't he resign for, like, four for 72 in Kansas City? And I don't think... That paid off. Man. They if they won the World Series, good for them. And then everybody got their money either in KC or elsewhere. And for the most part, it didn't work out very well. Were you the one that asked me how long you can wear gold on the uniform to celebrate a championship after the championship? How long can you still do that? I don't think I did. Somebody did. I don't, I, I don't know the answer to that, but we might be approaching that right now. Uh, former Cleveland Indian, back to Houston and Michael Brantley. Thought for like a split second in this offseason, it would have been interesting to reconnect with Brantley. But once they got Bell, they were going to bring in another left-handed hitter. Good for Michael. Gets another contract from Houston. Does he have anything How left in the you tank, do you think? I was going to say, how old do you think he'd have to be to have 
below league average offensive production. He's already at the point where you're probably not trying to rely on him defensively. Maybe he's not only DHing, but it's very limited in the field. But that bat. I mean, I know batting average isn't the end all be all. And he's 35 years old now. But like if we just he these doesn't have the power he once did. I don't think he's gonna hit 2025 home runs, right? But can't you just see him just slapping singles all over the place? Especially he could benefit from lack of a shift. I remember when he was in Cleveland, it was if he was in a funk, it was a lot of rolling over pitches to second base, which can still happen with limitations on defense, but maybe sure. he becomes a little more adept at pulling it through the hole. I just, my point here is I could see him being like 44 years old, still being able to hit 285 because he can just slap oh, absolutely. singles all over the place. Yeah. The, the opposite of Omar Vizquel, who continued to bring defensive value throughout his, into his forties. Michael Brantley would be the only, the other way. You only maybe you only bring him in to pinch hit, but he still can give you a good good at bat. And I think anybody that puts the ball in play a lot, well, really every who doesn't benefit from the shift? Everybody could. Even big power hitters, they benefit from the shift. Guys that put the ball in play, they benefit from the shift. The ban of the shift. Who's the hitter that doesn't benefit in some way? We we keep saying maybe they'll benefit from the shift. They all should. Hedges on some level. <laughs> I can't find a scenario where someone wouldn't benefit in some way. Final one. We have to spend at least the next 40 minutes discussing Bradley Zimmer to the Dodgers. Why? <laughs> Just because it's habit. What if we, what we spend do on 30 show? seconds... Let's spend 30 seconds an episode for the next 10 episodes talking about Bradley Zimmer. Under the tweet, someone put, Zimmer after spending any time with the Dodgers hitting lab, and it was Barry Bonds hitting a home run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Guardians, I think, have, I don't know that they've fixed their hitting development all the way through the top, but they certainly have made massive improvements to the point where I don't think it's like, you know, there are certain teams, they leave a bad team, they go to a good team, and you th- kind of like when the Guardians acquire a pitcher, you think, uh-oh, they spend some time with that guy. They're going to make him the next Cy Young. I don't think that about Cleveland hitters leaving this system and going to, like, the Dodgers anymore. But still, isn't there a small part of you that thinks, it's got all those skills, someone in the Dodgers is going to unlock that, and he's going to be playing not a meaningful role, but it's going to be necessary that he's there at some point this year. I don't question it. Don't question it. It's it, it's the skill set, though. Like, they realized at some point his skill set did not match the attributes that they could work with. And I think... I, I, I don't, I don't want to go down this road. I was going to ask, like, what is his ceiling as a hitter? What, what... Let's do it. Go down this road. Go down this road. (laughs) This is what I meant earlier. You know, a year ago, we were talking about this guy every freaking week. 
And now we're talking about you're going through the lineup and how good it can be. We've come a long way in a year. I guess if my one word <laughs> to sum up our podcast in 2022 would be growth. Growth. But yeah, I... I, I didn't say it, but I thought it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, Zimmer, can he's got power in there. We know that. He's got speed. But isn't he on the wrong side of 30 yes. now? I mean, I, I don't want yes, to talk about please. this. Keep giving me honest evaluations. This is what I wanted. <laughs> this is what I've been craving. I the main you thing in is they learned what they can do. And I'll, I'll have more on this on The Athletic in the next handful of weeks. They learned. I mean, I, I wrote this a year ago, too. Like, they were trending in the right direction. But you don't know until you see some results. And this year was the first year where they could confirm some of their suspicions that, you know, you couldn't take Bobby Bradley and just make him a contact hitter or hit for enough contact to soften the blow of the strikeouts and the just the boomer bust profile. So you start drafting guys who have the skills that you can work with. It's what they've done on the pitching side. And you find, you know, they've they've implemented some things just in terms of breaking down guys' swings and body movements and the biomechanics plays a large role in this. Um, and someone like Zimmer, like, sometimes it's just, I don't want to say a lost cause, but it's like, you just know that you can only help him so much because of the swing, because of the way he's built. And well, because yeah. of some of the just the innate tendencies that you can't you can't teach you, you you can help someone learn pitch recognition and play discipline and things like that. But like as we've talked about with Stephen Kwan, what makes him so good at the plate in large part that that hand eye coordination, that um anticipation, like he credits playing pinball when he was three years old. Like that's the Guardians couldn't they can't go back in time and teach Bradley Zimmer how to be good at pinball 25 years ago. So I'm, it's, I'm understanding why Meisel Jr. is getting a pinball machine for his <laughs> first Christmas. Uh, I have tried so hard to teach him how to hit his plush golf ball with his plush golf club, but it's not going well so far. Um, yeah, so so a lot has changed in the hitting development realm with the organization. I think I also think that's why they've moved on from guys quicker because they know that like it's it's not just going to change overnight. I think that's part of like even Framo Reyes. Like I think there was hope that he wouldn't struggle to the profound degree that he had, but they knew that it wasn't he wasn't just going to wake up one day and cut his strikeout rate in half like that's sure well i also hope that and i don't i don't think this is the case with bradley with zimmer with reyes to a certain extent i hope that it's not we can't work with this sort of guy so send him elsewhere i i want a coaching staff that can take many different sorts of profiles and work with them all in different ways and i think cleveland 
what what they did this past year suggests that they can because not all of the hitters were the exact same. You know, Oscar right. Gonzalez isn't quite the same as Stephen Kwan, <laughs> certainly. But I also think there's there's some degree uh, of similarities between a guy like Zimmer, who has the raw skills, and a guy like Gonzalez, who also has raw skills, that certain things within the profile are going to be challenging, I think, for him through stretches. I think the the lack of, of discipline and, and ability to take walks, same thing with Andres Jimenez, it limits what I th- maybe believe they can get to as far as their ceiling goes. But a guy like Gonzalez continues to prove that we shouldn't pay attention to that. We should just let him go play. Uh, maybe even a, a similar a similarity between Zimmer and, and Benson, because Benson has some raw ability and just has a unique body type, and you don't know what's going to become of that. I, I just want a coaching staff that is able to work with all those different types. And maybe sometimes they're a success story, but other times they're not going to be. And I'm glad that the team is recognizing those things and moving on more quickly than they, they have in, in the past. Some of it is because they obviously have a, a lot of younger players that need to get up here, need to get their own playing time, so they can't afford to just go give Yu Chang 450 plate appearances anymore. In the past, that wasn't always the case. But I think it's also... Just, a success if you have a, a staff and a front office working in tandem that can more quickly identify these things and get them out of here and bring in the players that do deserve those opportunities. Screw you, man. You got eight minutes out of us by bringing up Bradley Zimmer. That should not happen. It's almost 2023. <laughs> this is the only thing I wanted for Christmas. Mariah Carey sings about you, and I just wanted Bradley Zimmer talk on this show, so whatever. Not my fault, although it somewhat is. Remember when he took his brother's deep? (laughs) Yes. Remember all of the big home runs he hit in 2021? It was fun for five minutes. I'm so excited for later this week. I wanted to just blow this show out and let's hurry up and get through this because I want to record our recap show. Should we do it at a warm location where <laughs> there would be lots of bugs? A little, hu- little humid? Human? You suggesting? Uh, probably not. It wouldn't be great for our equipment, but maybe good for our views. I don't know. We'll see you later this week. Patreon.com slash Godcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs>